DJ PK, it's time for you in a golf U.S. Open preview with Real Golf Radio's Brian Taylor. And it's brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Black Desert Resort, and Get Some Guns and Ammo. Brian, good morning. Oh, this is the way the morning is going. Everything. It really is. I'm so irritated. Give up an open shot. Don't have the guest on the phone. <laughs> did you not hear my good morning? We no. did not. We were cheated out of your good morning. Yeah. Let me try again. Good morning. Now I feel better. All right. <laughs> Happy to be there for you, PK. Thank you. We are jealous. We are jealous of you and Bob running down to Torrey Pines and playing the U.S. Open course before the U.S. Open. I guess the one thing we don't know, since it's a public course and lots of people get to play it, is how much was it in open-ish shape when you played it? How much could you see what the guys are going to be up against? Well, we've been there twice uh, during the U.S. Open, 2008 and again a couple weeks ago. And I, I would say in both instances, uh, the, you know, it was about three weeks out. Golf course was getting there. Uh, certainly different than when we have visited there during the farmers in January, early February. Um, rough is definitely up. Fairways are tighter. Uh, greens and uh, complexes are firmer. I, I, it was really notable how how firm uh, the golf course was already just a few weeks ago. And Phil Mickelson said Monday in his press conference that, you know, even in two days uh, that he'd been working out there, it had firmed up significantly. So um, it's it's going to be different. Um, you know, I think Phil described it best. You know, you've, you've got firmer fairways that aren't going to hold. You know, and during the farmers, it's, it's softer, so you can just kind of drive it down the middle. Now you've got to shape it into fairways so that it, it actually stays there. So, uh, as you know, it's a huge advantage to hit fairways in the U.S. Open. It's not the only thing. Bryson proved that last year at Wingfoot, but uh, it certainly is an advantage. And then just trying to, trying to keep it in, in position, you know, on the green to be able to make some putts. So, it was fun. I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. When you play Torrey Pine South at any time, it's an experience, quote-unquote. Uh, it's not exactly a fun day of golf. It's hard. It's a very, very difficult golf course. So these guys have played all over the world and played all these courses many times over. They've played them when they are either for fun or a regular tournament, and then sometimes these places host the tournament the u.s open so they know that there's going to be changes versus when they played it before or in this case you know when it's a regular tour all that stuff how much difference does it make in their game from compared to when they played it the other times whenever that may be versus when the particular course is the u.s open course yeah i think it varies venue to venue uh really there are some venues that play drastically different uh, when the USGA gets a hold of them. And there's other golf courses that are made for U.S. Open setups, just the way the USGA likes them. And as the caddy says, Torrey Pines is one of those golf courses where you just got to grow the rough up a little bit and switch the flags from Torrey flags to USGA flags. And um, so I, I think Wingfoot was that way last year a little bit. You know, um, there are other golf courses where they, I don't want to say trick it up, but they really narrow the fire. Pebble Beach is a great example. Pebble is vastly different. Uh, with, from what the guys play in, at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am versus when they play U.S. Open. The rough is, is, is grown in. The fairways are narrowed significantly. It's not a wide-open, linksy style golf course that they normally see at, at, the, at the regular Pebble Beach stop. So uh, I think it varies venue to venue. And, uh, I mean, this is an interesting one. I've only seen the one U.S. Open there in 2008, and Tiger Woods won. And 
I think that was like, what, the eighth or ninth time that Tiger Woods has won at Torrey Pines. And so I, I, I have to think that maybe Torrey's one of those where you look at past success, where, you know, it does play a lot more similar to when they re- normally play there. And, and so you can use a little bit of the, you know, history of the players at the Farmers to determine maybe who might fare well at the U.S. Open on that particular venue. So uh, as, as I've been looking at it, that that's sort of seems to be the thing that lines up a little bit with Tory. Now, usually you come on and second-guess our draft picks. The draft is tomorrow. We have you on the day before, so why don't you give us some hot tips so that PK and I have an edge over Bob because nobody wants Bob to win. We don't want him to win. You don't want to listen to him. I mean, that's the one thing the three of us have in common. Nobody wants to listen to Bob after he wins. Well, the, the, the odds-on betting favorite is John Rahm. He's an interesting one, right? I mean, he got his first win at Torrey Pines. He was a six-shot runaway uh, with, 50, with uh, 18 holes to play at the Memorial, and then he got sidelined with COVID. So he's been in quarantine. I, I feel like you know, he's probably sitting there with un, some unfinished business. Uh, he's, he's good friends with Phil Mickelson. Uh, his brother, Tim Mickelson, was, was, John, uh, was, was Rahm's first agent. And so I, I think there's probably a lot of, uh, going on there. I think there's, he's, of all the top players, he probably has the fewest question marks about his game. He just but, you know, he hasn't won a major yet, so he's looking for his first major championship win. That certainly is the next step for a guy like John Rahm. If he can control his demeanor, that's always been some of the challenges. Is he's had a tendency to blow up and not be able to withstand the mental challenge. But John Rahm is, is one. I, and Brooks Koepka is hard to overlook. I mean, he didn't play last year at Wingfoot, but he's, so you take that one out. In the last three U.S. Opens he's played, he's gone win-win, runner-up. Um, in fact, since 2014 – He's 17 under par in the U.S. Open. That's 10 strokes better than his closest competitor, which is Xander Schauffele, which, by the way, I think Xander is also a, a great pick this week. Another San Diegan who's one of the best players in the world. He's had good success at Torrey Pines and is just, you know, is, is probably one of those right along with Phil as their backdoor, backyard kind of favorites for this week. One interesting thing about Kepka, he hasn't broken par in his last seven rounds at Torrey Pines, so... That's a little bit unique. And, and I think I mentioned Phil Mickelson. I think he's one you have to look at. I, listening to his comments, he's in a different space right now. He's totally healthy. And you think about this when we're watching NBA playoffs and you think about the experience that, that players have. They've been there before, and that's usually an advantage. And yet you look at a 50-year-old, and that's a detriment in golf because no one's ever done it. Well, now Phil's done it. And, you know, Phil is a guy that, I mean, he's never lacked for confidence. But the guy is over-brimming with confidence right now, and he's putting in the extra work physically, mentally, and, and, and from a golf standpoint. And, and I think he's probably one you got to look at. So um, Dustin Johnson's number one in the world. He, he's missed the cut in back-to-back majors. But he's also tied for six or better in five of his last U.S. Opens. So I've ripped off some names for you there. John Rahm, Brooks, Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Xander Schauffele. I mean, I like all those guys. Um, I think we have to go to a I – know, I know, by the way, Bob's going to pick Jordan Spieth. So if you want to let him have that one, he has eight top tens in his last 11 starts, but he's only had one win. And I think his best finish since winning the U.S. Open in 2015 is tied for 35th. So not necessarily – he missed the cut this year at the Farmer. So uh, maybe you let – go ahead and let Bob have that Jordan Spieth pick and, and uh, go with one of those other guys. But – um, Tony Fina, our hometown guy, is another one. We can get into him if you want, but I, I think he's one that would be a good pick this week. So obviously, Phil, he tends to be a favorite wherever he is, but particularly in the desert and then over there, the two places where he's has a ton of following. And I don't know if it matters, but it'll be fun to see if he can 
maintain what he did in the U.S. or in the PGA, I should say, would be the ultimate golf story. With that in mind, and this is California, so I'm not sure what the rules are. What are we expecting crowd-wise? Yeah, they're going to have limited crowds, unfortunately. Um, as you said, it is California. Uh, they limited the media. Uh, we thought maybe we would get a chance to get out there this week, and, and uh, they basically are, are keeping it to the same crowd that was there at, uh, at Wingfoot you know, in September. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a little quiet. I do think Phil will be a huge favorite you know, from a crowd standpoint for those that are there. When we were there, they were putting the grandstands up, and they were, they were tiny compared to what we saw there in 08. So uh, it, it'll be a little quieter, but it's not going to be dead quiet. Uh, I think you'll have enough fans to, to make some noise, and, and I think they'll be excited to see how Phil does. So where, what is a winning score going to look like here? How tough is the course going to be? Is this uh, U.S. Open where you just, uh, if you break par, you celebrate wildly? I think so. You know, looking back at, at Tiger's win, you know, he doubled the first hole, I think, three times that week shot three over the final round and, and had to birdie the 18th to get into a playoff. We all remember that putt. Pretty remarkable. Um, it's, I think, both the, both uh, um, Tiger and uh, Rocco were one under par uh, at the end of the week. So, and, and each of them in that final round each made three birdies apiece. So it's going to be one of those. I don't think you're going to see a birdie fest. I really think it's one of those hang on. Um, Phil talked about it in this press conference that he, he watched Tiger pick his spots of where he could, you know, be a little bit aggressive on some putts. But for the most part, it is. I think it's going to be one of those that's going to hover right around, you know, I mean, maybe one or two, three or four under par at the most. Um, if, you can, if you can shoot one under every day at Torrey Pines for four days, I, I would think you've got a great shot of winning. So a few years back, it was fun to follow the likes of Thomas Spieth, McElroy, uh, Fowler, young guys on the come. And they've sort of, uh, at this point, they're not old by any stretch, but they're beyond, like, the young guys on the tour. And I think they've been replaced by a guy named Colin Morikawa. I point to him being this is his 50th start. And he's had some, uh, what's he have, four wins, and obviously he's got a major. Uh, Do you think that he could be viewed as a threat to really make a huge step this very weekend and put his name out there that I'm a guy to be reckoned with going forward for the next 10, 15 years? Oh, hundred um, percent. You know, he won the last major on the West coast, uh, yeah. which was up, up the coast there at Harding park in San Francisco. Right. You know, that, that was an interesting one, PK. You look, you look at guys and, and sort of what's inside of them. If you remember that one, it was, there were no fans. It was no. dead quiet, which right. is unfortunate, but, yeah. but you remember that Sunday, there were all the best players. Brooks was there. Bryson was there. DJ was there. Tony was there. And all the guys were right there. And it felt like nobody on Sunday wanted to take it. And Colin Morikawa stepped up and drove the green on, what was it, 16? Yep. And made the eagle putt and, and just took the golf tournament. And he won the WGC earlier this year at Concession, which is a very difficult golf course. I think when you look at golf swings and, and the proverbial ball striker you know, title, Colin Morikawa was that guy, and you know he's his putter has been a little bit suspect. He's 161st on tour in putting. That's my only sort of asterisk, if you will. But in spite of that, he is definitely one of the best players uh, out there on the PGA Tour, and I think he's absolutely one that you got to reckon with. And, and you're right, he's part of that new younger crowd that's sort of uh, replacing the young guns that you previously mentioned that have, that are now sort of the the veterans out there. Is the media overblowing the whole uh, Deschambeau hate fest, or is that the real deal? 
you know, it's really hard to figure out what those two are doing. Um, it's kind of a fine line. Uh, I, I look at that situation and, and there's a lot of ways I just chuckle at it. I mean, you know, they're, they're going back and forth at each other, you know, on social media and, you know, it's causing, you know, uh, commentary around golf and, and getting people to say, Hey, what's going on here? It's, it's interesting. It's noteworthy, which golf a lot of the times isn't. And at the same time, at the root of it, you have one of today's best stars buying beer for fans that are heckling one of his rivals. And I, I can't help but think there's probably something a little wrong with that, right? I mean, that, that's one of those things that, you know, when the cat's out of the bag, that's going to be tough to put it, put it back in, right? I mean, it, <laughs> that could get out of control. We, the mashed potatoes, the get in the hole, the you're the man screams after every tee shot. They got old really fast. And now if you're going to basically, hey, if I go do something crazy for one of my guys against one of his rivals, I might get a mention on social media and a nod from one of his sponsors. Um, yeah, I mean, th- that changes things dramatically. I- I- I'm not sure that's the direction we want to go in the game of golf. But um, anyway, th- th- that's my-, my commentary on that. As far as whether there's a real – you know, sort of hatred or an actual rivalry between these two. I don't know. I mean, Brooks comes across as a bit of a, you know, the the little that I've been around him in the comments is he's kind of just to keep to himself. I don't really make too much big. I don't make a big deal about this whole game of golf. It's what I do for a living. Otherwise I'm just my own dude and I don't get too wrapped up in it. And that guy, he's way too wrapped up in it. And that bugs me. I mean, that that, to me, that seems like that's sort of the root of, of, of everything that's going on there. Um, but you know, sure. Is the media overblown? Of course, everything gets overblown these days. I don't think anything is understated. If there's a little <laughs> spark, let's gaslight that thing and blow the whole thing up. So yeah, that, I, I think that's what's going on, but we'll, we'll see pairings come out today. And there is a traditional USGA pairing that puts the reigning U S open champ, the reigning U S amateur champ and a past U S open winner. Well, the reigning U S open champ is Bryson and the past two U S open champions previous, is Brooks Kepka. So does the USGA, are they going to pile on? Do they want the ratings? Yeah, probably. I mean, look for that pairing to come out later on today. It'll be something to talk about for sure. So I want to go to bed on Sunday, happy man. And in order for that to happen, I need Phil Mickelson to win the U.S. Open, and I need the Jazz to win Game 7. Mm. It's going to happen on both accounts, isn't it? Wow. Um, <laughs> going, to, going to major lengths to avoid the word no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Brian Taylor. Those would be two count, great stories. Count me in as a bit of a disheartened jazz fan last night. So um, uh, that, was, that was not fun to watch. Um, it was tough to watch, I should say. God, I, I, I sure like to think that the number one overall seed in the NBA regular season has a better chance of of moving on, you know, to the finals, uh, Western Conference finals, than Phil Mickelson does to repeat as back-to-back oldest major champion winner ever, right? And to get over the six times a runner-up, never quite could win the U.S. Open. I, I mean, I would have to think that Phil story would would be way bigger than the Jazz, you know, getting past the Clippers this week. I, I, to me, the Jazz should get past the Clippers. Phil Mickelson shouldn't be winning majors at 50. He did it. I think he still has a good chance. He's someone we definitely got to watch, and um, I think he's playing maybe as well as he has his entire career. 
but uh, yeah, I, I boy, I hate to PK, man. Jeez, uh, <laughs> don't do that to me. Oh, How about Tony Finau in the Jazz winning? Now maybe we go. Uh, go know, complete that, local. Yeah, go complete local. And actually, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, he's. I mean, real quick, just his stats. He's you know at the Farmers. He's coming up off a T two this year, and he has uh, top six in four of his last five years playing at Torrey Pines. In his, he's, he's played in 20 majors now. He has 10 top 10s, including nine of his last 13. He's had two top 10s in five U.S. Open appearances. So, I, I you know, why not, Tony, this why week? Not? That's what I said. We've been why saying not? it for weeks, months, years. <laughs> so, uh, I follow you, and I think that uh, it's going to happen at some point. I don't know which tournament, but I, I think uh, just odds-wise and game-wise. And the thing about Phil, when he tees it up, he will be 51. That's true. Yeah, that's true. His birthday so is why June not 16th. get one at fifty and fifty-one? Yeah, and then get the Masters uh, next spring. And wasn't yeah, he'll, he'll be all about that. Fifty-one, fifty. Wasn't that a Van Halen album too? Mm, so, yeah, yeah. See what you just did there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Van Halen album, yeah. <laughs> so I know there's nothing that would compare to Phil doing it. He's literally the oldest, and he does it again. Obviously, nobody's done it. Is the closest thing when Marco Mira over forty won two really quickly? Uh, that's a pretty that's a good comparison. Um, I don't think Mark had won any majors at that point in time, though. Um, and he wins back to back at forty two or whatever, forty maybe it's forty on the dot. Um, yeah, I'm starting to think. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, Darren Clark, uh, he won one late. Um, right? Didn't Darren Clark win one late? Wait, now maybe I'm forgetting. Maybe I'm mistaken. No, I think yeah, he got the Claret Jug. So um, Ernie Els. I think Ernie Els had a little bit of a run late in his career, so yeah. I, I, but maybe I, I don't mirror. That's probably a good, probably a good comparison. All right. All right. Well, the draft with Bob. We've got your tips now, so thanks for that going forward, and uh, we'll see how this works out. You know what, PK? Because what? this fits you. You need to pick Patrick Reed because nobody else wants to pick him. <laughs> but you're you're surly enough to pick him. Pick Patrick Reed. He won at the Farmers this year, and he's 17th uh, around the greens and fourth in putting. I mean, nobody likes him, but he's probably he's going to be in contention. I, I would say he's going to be in contention. What do you mean I'm surly enough? How does that make me feel? Exactly surly. You want to feel Just surly. a happy, low go lucky, lovable dude that I am. I wonder if Reed Jeez, is. I wonder yuck. if Reed is jealous of Deschambeau getting all this run as uh, you know unlikable. Nasty. Like, hey, I'm Patrick Reed. I'm nasty and unlikable. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I'm a golfer. This is all my lawn. That's the best moment of the morning, right there. Holy Love cow! It. Thank you, Brian. See you, boys. Brian Taylor, suffering jazz fan and golf analyst. Every Saturday morning, six to nine a.m. Bob Casper, Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Mike Smith, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet, is coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us.